3: And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance.
2: Hey everyone, you're listening to the Rotovis Radio Draft Series, brought to you by the FFPC. I'm your host, Anthony Miko. You can find me on Twitter, at Amixta. And today, I'm delighted to be joined by fellow Rotovis writer, Jordan Hoover, who you can follow on Twitter, at jhoover9787. Jordan, thanks for joining me today, man. How's it going?
1: Uh, It's going pretty well. I'm happy to be on the show, be able to talk about some draft stuff. We're getting close to combine time. Um... I woke up this morning and my phone told me that it was National Margarita Day, so in honor of that I am drinking a founder's all day IPA uh to get a little bit uh to get ready for this conversation. And like I said, uh Combine is is less than a week away and we'll we'll be able to get some some hard info, some data on these prospects that we can put into models moving forward and for a lot of people, I know that the football season kind of ends after the Super Bowl. But for folks like you and me, uh, I don't know about you, but this is pretty much my favorite time of the football season when we're when we're getting real close to the draft and like cranking up the off season starting. So I'm oh, pretty yeah. excited, ready to go.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the draft draft time is the best time, man. Like, I, there's something about like making really difficult predictions. <laughs> that uh, that I think we all just really like, and it's just fun to, like, I think the human person just very genuine, genuinely is, like, attracted to the unknown, so this is just, like, something that we really like. Uh, so sure. I'm, sto- I'm stoked to have you on, and uh, we're going to get uh, started with the series with some team-by-team previews just heading into the draft. Uh, towards the end of the series, after we've talked about all 32 teams in the NFL— Uh, We will go back and we will talk about some more prospect-specific topics. Uh, Today on the show, we're going to talk NFC East and NFC West, uh, and we're going to start with your World Championship Eagles. Now, Jordan, as defending Super Bowl champs, a very general question.
1: What is the area of greatest need on this roster, you think? So this is is kind of a tough question because I think that if you take an objective look at the rosters across the NFL – I think that it's it wouldn't be crazy to say that the Eagles are probably the most complete and deep at just about every position. Um, you know, that seems kind of obvious because they did win the Super Bowl, but that's not always the case. Uh, and and really, they bring back um, almost their entire starting lineup intact, so they're in a really good spot to be right in the hunt again. Um, I think that if we're looking at one position to kind of hone in on, I would say that it's probably at linebacker, Um just because they've been dealing with a little bit of, you know, they dealt with injuries there uh, this past season. Um, and I think that they could probably use an upgraded talent there, whether it's through the draft or perhaps through free agency. But, again, and, and maybe perhaps also on the offensive line, the only, the only real concern I can see is that Jason Peters um, is either 35 or 36 years old. He's dealt with um, some injuries. He's their left tackle um, of choice. They have Lane Johnson, obviously, on the other side, who is pretty dominant at right tackle. So perhaps maybe trying to shore up adding some depth on the offensive line. But truth be told, I mean, they're in a really good spot. Yeah, it's pretty crazy when I look at their prospective free agents.
2: Like, the the guy that really stands out to you the most is probably Trey Burton. Uh, But the Eagles don't really need a tight end because they have Zach Ertz, who's awesome. So, yeah, I agree with you. Like, that linebacker spot, they have Nigel Bradham as a free agent, Danelle Ellerbe. I think that those guys were probably in, you know, in need of an upgrade anyway. We we know that the Eagles did struggle the most in terms of uh, coverage over the middle of the field. I think the linebackers are definitely a huge part of that. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I, you know, Eagles are in a great spot, but I do think that linebacker is a uh, is a need, and it's honestly a good need to have when you're picking towards the end of the first round because I feel like a lot of those uh, like high high level players, particularly in the middle. Uh, usually do fall to the end of the first top of the second round so that they're in a good position i think um now they have a, a pretty interesting situation at quarterback because you know carson wentz was looking like the mvp for most of the season he goes down with an acl tear the injury does seem to be somewhat serious uh, even today uh and nick Foles goes and wins them the super bowl they have him for 7.6 million dollars this season do you think that they should attempt to trade Foles or
1: retain him this is one of the most interesting things, I think, that could potentially develop this offseason because I feel like there's two two ways of looking at this situation. Um, you know, Obviously, without Nick Foles on the Super Bowl champion team that we just saw, um, who's to say what would have happened if they wouldn't have had a competent quarterback to replace Wentz when he went down? And we know, looking around the league, there are teams looking for one competent quarterback, let alone a, a backup to be able to come in. So, I mean, the one school of thought is you keep him while you have him signed in case the worst case scenario happens. If Wentz doesn't progress like they hope, um, or heaven forbid he gets another injury. It's, you know, it's a luxury that few teams have to be able to bring in the backup and feel pretty confident that you won't have to change your offensive game plan very much. But then there's the other school of thought that you know, kind of takes like the Madden playing Xbox uh, angle where you want to be able to flip a guy like Foles for future first-round draft picks. I mean, on Twitter, you've seen all kind of crazy things where people are predicting they're going to ask for multiple firsts and seconds. I don't necessarily know if that's going to happen. Um, I think that's easier to talk about in theoretical terms than in real-life terms. But it's really interesting because it's, I think that it kind of takes the approach of whether you're, you're trying to win right now or you're trying to build for the future. And I think in the NFL, the winning window is usually so small that I personally wouldn't be opposed to them keeping foals um, just because it gives you an advantage compared to almost every other team if bad luck happens. But it also depends on what they can get back for them. So I know that's kind of like a non-answer, kind of a hedge, but I think it kind of depends on on what they would be able to get back.
2: Yeah, and the if Wentz wasn't hurt, I think that this would be a much easier decision. But the fact that like there is a real chance that he maybe isn't even ready for week one, like really complicates this for me. Like I, I'm a, I'm I'm the Xbox Madden guy. I mean, I'm, I'm a PlayStation. <laughs> I'm hashtag Team PlayStation. But like, there you go. if I'm there playing you go. Madden, like yeah, like I I'm definitely looking to move Foles when his value is the highest. I'm looking to do that really for any any position. But it's really just a matter of what the market is going to give you. I think that you know this is a a really deep free agent class of quarterbacks. We obviously have Kirk Cousins, Sam Bradford, uh, Josh McCown, a lot of you know Case Keenum. There's a lot of guys who are going to be available in free agency already, and then we obviously have what I would say is probably one of the better quarterback classes of the last few seasons. So it's really interesting to me. To consider, like what the approach of teams will be. Like, will they aggressively pursue the veteran Foles in a trade, or will they just say, like, we can we can find our next quarterback in the draft. We can find our stopgap option in free agency. Uh, I'm not really sure. I, I do think that if the Eagles can get a first round pick at, at any time for Foles, that they have to do it. Um, I, they they have they have invested in Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is their future. I don't really think that even if it cost them like two games to start the season, I I don't think that like the, the long-term gains I think
1: really outweigh the, the short-term losses. Yeah. And I think that's kind of taking like a, like a dynasty league approach. I mean, like you just said, selling high, being able to invest for the future. And I think in an ideal situation, that would be the outcome. It's just, it's exactly the situation that you laid out, whether or not NFL franchises are more willing to invest in a veteran like Foles, at a potentially higher cost than investing in a rookie quarterback. So, I mean, I think it really comes down to that, you know, that thought process on that level. Now, at
2: the running back position, the Eagles, you know, used a myriad of players this season. Lagarrette Blunt and Darren Sproles will both be hitting free agency. Is Corey Clement an adequate backup for Jay
1: Ajayi? I, I think that he is. And the reason why I say that is because I think that it's, Pretty clear that over the last couple seasons, we've seen sort of a depreciation in value of the running back position and more of an increase in value in running backs that can catch the football. Um, I think both those trends are are pretty clear. And I know it's a pretty small sample size, but the last time we saw Corey Clement in the Super Bowl against New England, um, you know, I remember watching that game and, and feeling like he was the most explosive running back on the team. And he was contributing in the passing game, which is really important. And, like you said, they have Jay Ajayi signed for one more year. Um, and they also have, um, you know, Wendell Smallwood, Donald Pumphrey, I believe, are still signed through next year, which, you know, they don't have a ton of experience and they're small, but they also have bodies there. Um, I you know, I don't think they necessarily have to be super aggressive in trying to compensate for the loss of Blunt and Sproles as soon they both go. Um I think that they would be fine with Clement as the two with Ajayi perhaps taking a little bit larger of a look this year, um, this year coming up as opposed to last season.
2: Yeah. I mean the fact that they made the trade for Ajayi, I feel like they have to commit to him a little bit. Cause that's obviously like a lot more than what they've basically geared towards like every other running back on the roster. Um, and I, and I do think that Pump you know, Pumphrey fits kind of the mold that they have. I mean, the, the, the odd, idea that he was ever going to be Darren Sproles is ridiculous, because I think that, Dar- like, Darren Sproles is one of the more underrated running backs of our generation, like, everyone just gets compared, everyone that's, like, small and can catch passes gets compared to Darren Sproles, but he's just, he's just a really unique player, but I do think that Donnell Pumphrey is a player who, uh, similar to, like, a Tariq Cohen can be active as, like, a receiver, um, you know, and obviously you get that out of Clement. So, yeah, I agree with you. that The position is definitely valued low enough where I think they can get away with what they have. Uh, and they certainly want to see uh, some of these things through. Uh, let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys, where Des Bryant is scheduled to make $16.5 million in 2018. Do you think that the Cowboys will retain him at that cost? Do you think they'll look to trade him? Uh, what do you think that they'll be looking to do with Des Bryant? Yeah, this
1: is a tough one because I think that, you know, if you look at it, you kind of get the feeling that they're they're probably not going to trade him. Um, I think that they probably, I think that ownership probably wants to keep him around. But sixteen and a half mil is a lot of money. Um, and as far as like a met- from a metrics point of view, um, in twenty seventeen, Dez saw an increase in air yards and yards after the catch. But did see a decrease in touchdowns and average depth of target. Um, it's you know he's kind of been knocked recently for kind of underperforming. We remember Dez as being such a dominant touchdown producer, and he still is one of the best touchdown producers really in the history of football at the wide receiver position. If you go game to game, um, but you know he is getting older. He has dealt with injuries um, for some time now, assorted injuries. I I think that. You know, I think that ideally they'll probably keep him, but I wouldn't be completely surprised if they cut him just because of the price tag and the fact that they may have to move some money around. I, I think that I think that he probably does stick around though. If if I had to put money on it,
2: yeah, I agree. I think that this most likely ends in him taking some kind of salary reduction to stay on the roster. Because I agree, like they they definitely want him. I think even just from a marketing standpoint like jerry jones wants to have des brian around and i'm not even really sure like i don't know like when when the franchise tag is is about what des is making it might be difficult to argue that he's not worth that when jarvis landry just got franchise tagged sure but i do but like you said i i think it's definitely a conversation they're gonna have where they're gonna go to him and say listen man like we're we're in bad shape with the cap like we need your help uh, you know, take a few, take a little bit less money. I think the fans will like it. We can get it back to you. You know, this way, this way, this way. You know, that's how these things work. Um, so yeah, I'm. There's been like a, a bunch of different things on Twitter with regards to like, is Des Bryant actually done or not? I'm not really sure, but I just, I do think that like, the days of Des Bryant, like Uber elite receiver, are super over. Um, I think his, I think he's, he remains elite and will be for a while in terms of the one-on-one ball, in terms of red zone uh, you know, production. But between the 20s, I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure he has it anymore.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that he can, like you said, I think he can remain a really, really dangerous red zone weapon as long as they utilize him often enough in that role, um, which obviously really helps any quarterback and would be a benefit for Dak. So if they can use him in that role, I think he can still be useful for real-life football and for fantasy football as well.
2: Yep. Uh, now this team actually has some uh, free agents on the offensive line: Byron Bell, Jonathan Cooper, Joe Looney, all on, uh, all UFAs. Do the Cowboys acquire offensive line depth via free agency or the draft? I mean, obviously they could look to resign these guys as well. What what do you think is the most likely outcome?
1: Well, I think that um, you know Jonathan Cooper, uh, if I'm not. If I'm correct, I think he played a good bit at guard for them this year, and I know that, um, you know, the reason why this really stuck out to me, and again, this is kind of focusing on a small sample size, but when Tyler Smith went out uh, in the game, I believe, against the Falcons, when uh, Adrian Clever and I believe, had six or seven sacks or something ridiculous, uh, it, you know, just seeing, like, one piece of that offensive line that we've all grown to know is really, really good, You know, seeing one piece of that fall apart and then kind of throwing everything into chaos, um, I I don't know that they'll be able to ignore that. And I think that bringing in depth um, is important, whether it's re signing these guys or acquiring. I think that, you know, it's always a little bit difficult to, you know, it seems like if you draft offensive linemen, unless they're high up in the first round. Typically, it takes a little bit of time for them to develop, so I don't necessarily know if adding depth through the draft would help in that scenario. But seeing as they do have Tyron Smith, um, Travis Frederick, and uh, Zach Martin all signed, they would still have a really strong left side, assuming they're all healthy. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them bring you know one or two of these guys that you listed, whether it's Bell and Cooper, back. Uh, because you know we just know that depth is really important and and you know if your offensive line is dysfunctional it's really hard to to be successful on offense so i i think that this should be uh a focus of theirs this off season
2: yeah and and kind of tied into that is obviously the production of the running backs that at least especially as fantasy owners like we've been really really married to Zeke uh, and even when Zeke's been out Alfred Morris uh Darren McFadden those guys have been productive because you know, this offensive line has just been so awesome. Uh, but at the running back position, Alfred Morris is a, is a free agent.
1: You know,
2: where, how do they address the backup there? And do you think that the backup running back is the most replaceable position in football right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think kind of like touching on what we talked about with, with Philadelphia and, and how they could potentially just let LeGarrette Blunt, you know, a really good touchdown scorer, and Darren Sproles, you know, who is older but is one of the best pass-catching backs in NFL history. They could potentially just let him walk, both of them, and still be okay. You know, considering who's going to be a free agent running back, um, you know, if they want to invest in someone like, you know, like a Terrence West type or try to rehab like Jeremy Hill, I mean, they could find someone in free agency who could take Morris' role, but I think that what we saw this season – when Morris was f- basically forced into duty when Zeke was absent, he functioned perfectly fine in that offense. And they really, you know, I don't think that their running game suffered all that much. So, I mean, if if I was in charge and I saw that, I would try to make an effort to bring Morris back, assuming that his, you know, assuming you can get him for a reasonable price. Um, but, you know, backup running backs, you know, when you look, like I named some of the names in the free agent class, there's more, you know, it's not hard i don't think to find someone who can be adequate and i'm sure they're assuming that they're going to have zeke for all 16 assuming health so you know I, I do think it is really replaceable but i also think that morris fits in this system because he's shown that he can do it
2: yeah it's all about price right like the yeah. we don't want to spend too much on running back be it in free agency or in the draft if we can uh if they can bring Morris back, I mean, it's it's always really tough. It's, like, really interesting to me because a lot of times we go into free agency and we're like, all right, like, these are the running backs that we think teams will like, and then, like, Rashad Jennings gets, like, $4 million a year. You know, like, it's <laughs> it's really difficult, I think, to, to tab it. And Morris does have, like, a history of production from yeah. um, the earlier years of his career. So it is interesting to know kind of how teams will value him. But similar to a quarterback, uh, it is a really good and deep running back class, so I, I, sure. I'm not positive again that teams would look to sign the veteran in that in that instance. Uh, let's move on to the Washington Redskins' most important question for the team. I mean, we could we could spend the whole Redskins segment. I feel like talking about this. <laughs> what what the heck are they doing with Kirk Cousins? They obviously already traded for Alex Smith, um, but are they going to try to franchise and trade him? Are they going to try to draft a QB similar to what? You know, the Chiefs did with Alex Smith. You know, what, what are we thinking about with regards to Kirk Cousins and the quarterback position for the Redskins?
1: Yeah, this is, you know, the way that, the, that Washington has handled this Kirk Cousins situation for the last couple of years, I think, has been kind of silly. I, I know that Cousins kind of gets like, he has his supporters and detractors. And, you know, I, I don't think he's necessarily in that top tier elite level that we think of when we think of like Aaron Rodgers, uh, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, etc. But I do also think that he's easily within like the top eight quarterbacks probably in the league. And you know I always talk about how few really good starting options there are, and if you have a chance to keep one, you should do it. And like you said, they did trade for Alex Smith, um, which honestly, like I don't know if I'm totally in under you know I don't know if I totally understand that necessarily but I do think that Kirk Cousins is going to get paid one way or the other like we saw Jimmy Garoppolo's contract um Kirk Cousins has a a lot you know a much longer resume of you know decent success and um I I don't think that Cousins is going to end up in Washington I think you know the most likely scenario in my mind is that Alex Smith is probably their starter week one and I do think that they probably draft a quarterback um I don't know necessarily if it'll be in the first round, um, but I do think they probably address the quarterback position that way, looking at Alex Smith as a starter this year, you know, and then det- depending on what happens to be determined in the future. Um, but I know that you probably saw as well the report on Twitter this week that the Jets said they were willing to give I want to say $60 million guaranteed to Cousins in year oh, yeah. one of a deal. I, I love it. I love it. I'm, I, I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that is just wild to me. Like, I don't even know if it's necessarily wrong. Um, if you could say, like, categorically it's the wrong decision, but it's something that we've really never seen. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that because that was pretty wild, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, like, in, like, the simplest possible way,
2: right? Like if you're, when you were in high school, Jordan, I mean, I'm I'm looking at you on video right now. You're, you're a pretty good looking guy. (laughs) All right. But like when, when you were in high school, like there's a, there's a huge difference when you're like trying to get the 10 to go on a date with you and trying to get like the eight to go on a date with you. Right. Like there's a huge difference in like your approach, like what you're willing to do. Right. Sure. Sure. So, so like that's, that's this, that's going after Kirk Cousins. Like If you want to get the girl, if you want to get the girl your dreams to the dance, like you got to be willing to to do what it takes. You know, if she wants you to, if she wants you to rent a limo, like you're going to rent a limo. If she wants, you know, uh, if she wants, you know, flower petals, rose petals in the, in the limo, you're going to put them in. Like if she wants, uh, if she wants a 6 p.m. pickup, not a, not an 8 p.m. pickup, yeah, like if she wants pictures, like you're going to do it all. So like if to get Kirk Cousins in New York, like you 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 have to give them 60 million up front. You're going to give them 60 million up front. Like and you're just going to say this is this is what we have to do to get the girl to the dance. We know that we need a quarterback. We know that Kirk Cousins is good cuz I think that that's like the that's to me the part that gets lost is that like you said like Kirk Cousins is pretty clearly a top 7 or 8 quarterback, maybe even higher. Yeah. Yeah. Like I when you look at like Pacer and the stuff that Josh is doing at com like, Cousins is better in the, in those metrics than, like, Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford, guys who are already, you know, quote-unquote cemented in that top 10 area and have already been paid. Uh, well, Ryan will probably be paid, but Stafford obviously was, was paid huge. Um, so, like, yeah, I think that Kirk Cousins is good. I think that the Redskins made a mistake. And I think that the Niners, who we will talk about in a little bit, kind of unlocks maybe a skeleton key here with getting free agents, which is like we can front load the contract to get teams, to get guys here because what do they want? They want the guaranteed money. They want the money that they can see, you know, so we're going to just shell out a ton of money up front and then the back end of the deal, we're going to have this guy for well under market value and it's going to be a huge value to us as a franchise. So like if the Jets were to pay $60 million, I mean, they have a ton of, they have a ton of cash space. If they were to pay sixty million dollars to Cousins up front, it would sound so crazy. But if they were only going to pay them ten million dollars for like the four years after that, it would be a huge boon to their cap and to their ability to win games in the future. And I think that that's kind of I think we are going to start seeing that trend. And I'm really excited for you know GMs and stuff to be really smartly using their cap when they have it because you don't you just don't know when that money's going to dry out. You don't know like when you're going to need that money in the future. So if we can secure some things that we need now. And save money later. I think that's a great move,
1: and I'm I'm really excited for, you know, how that's going to go with with cousins. Yeah, I want him to get paid, man. I I think he I think he's done enough to deserve it. And like you said, the Jets have a ton of, of cap space, so I, I I hope it happens. To be quite honest, I mean, I, I think that that'll be a tough spot in in New York because their their roster is is just really ju- there's just not much talent on that roster right now. So it might be a struggle, but. For him to be able to get that much guaranteed money up front I I think would be would be great for him I think he's earned it
2: yep and I think defensively I know this isn't the Jets show but (laughs) I I think defensively the Jets uh project to be good for you know some number of years so that's that is working in their favor you know you can build offense in the draft um a couple a couple other quick notes that I do want to mention with the Redskins uh and we can kind of talk about these together I think do, do you think that Washington will re-sign Terrell Pryor? And what do you think the team will do with Jordan Reed? Uh, obviously, the injuries have really piled up for him. Do you think that he is a potential cut candidate?
1: Yeah, so just just looking at who uh, Washington has signed right now at wide receiver, um, according to Spotrak, uh Josh Doxson, Jamison Crowder, Robert Davis, and Maurice Harris. That is, that is it. Um, so... You know, I, I feel like if they if they don't re-sign Pryor, who definitely had, you know, he struggled he struggled this past season. He was definitely a letdown. Um, and, and truth be told, you know, even in his kind of, like, breakout year the year before, he really hasn't been that efficient of a receiver. Um, you know, you mentioned Josh Hermsmeyer. Probably everyone listening has seen his work with air yards. Um, and, you know, using his racer metric, um, Terrell Pryor hasn't really been that efficient. Uh, so I don't necessarily know if bringing him back is quote unquote the right move. But if they don't bring him back, they're going to have to do something at the wide receiver position um, because they simply don't really have bodies or high quality starters, you know, aside from Jamison Crowder, who is essentially an inside receiver. So it's kind of weird because he was on that short deal. Um, he would he would probably get a pay increase because I think he was making six million last year. So I would assume he'd probably get a little bit of a bump. Um, so it's kind of rewarding uh, poor performance, I guess you could say. but I think that they need bodies at this point. So if it's not prior, it might be through the draft. you know, they might be trying to pick up cobble something together via free agency. I think that they probably do invest some capital, draft capital at the wide receiver position. It's just a matter of how early they're willing to do it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting conundrum because I do think
2: that, that not having that vertical element in the offense last year really hurt them. Um, you know, I, Jay Gruden had a lot of things to say about Kirk Cousins not be, being willing to throw the ball down for you, but I think a lot of that had to do with the you know with the weapons there in 2016 his his average depth of target was 9.4 and last year it was just 8.2 so I mean a huge drop off in A dot I think that the weapons there have something to do with it and I agree like I think if you can bring TP back that's that's a move worth making um, I uh, I don't think that they should look to get away from Jordan Reed just because I do think that when he's on the field is one of the best tight ends in football and I think that if you're bringing in Alex Smith who has done really well with Travis Kelsey, an elite tight end. Like you, you don't want to lose that middle of the field element with uh, with Reed. So I think that that's kind of what they'll do there. Yeah,
1: I think that's a good point. Like what you said about Reed, he he has been extremely efficient when healthy, but it's just always been the health that's been the concern. So I think it really comes down to whether or not the organization is, you know, kind of fed up with all the missed games, or if they're willing to just keep taking that risk. You know, but like you said, when he's on the field, he's one of The best tight ends in football. So it's, I feel like you do kind of have to just take what you can get and and risk it with with a guy as talented as Reed. Yep. Let's move on to uh to Mayan. If I'm not mistaken, you're
2: Giants as well, right? Nah.
1: I mean, I'm I'm from Pittsburgh area, so I you know you're you're born into that kind of thing, I guess. When you're from that side, so I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a Steelers fan that because of fantasy, I'm kind of a just sort of an observer now of football, but. um you know I'll, I'll let you take i'll let you take ownership of the uh, the New York Giants here <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, uh yeah i mean i clearly didn't read the scouting report on my
2: on my co-host today <laughs> so that's on me uh, but th- the football giants i you know i am excited for the draft because they they pick second overall josh rosen has been a very popular pick in mock drafts um, you know eli manning has shown decline in stats like pacer over the last few years do you think that the Giants will take a quarterback at two, and do you think that Rosen in particular makes sense?
1: I think that they should take a quarterback because I'm of the belief that Manning is not long for the football world. Um, I know that there's a real like emotional attachment to Eli with the Giants because he's been there for so long, he's won with them. But I think, like you said, it's pretty clear that I think we're seeing the decline. And it's just really a matter of time until I think that it really hits hard and, the and you know, the, the edge of the cliff becomes apparent. Um, most of the mocks that I've seen have Darnold going one to the Browns and Rosen kind of, I think, by default going two to the Giants. Um, I don't necessarily know if Darnold is guaranteed that one spot. Uh, I could see the Browns even taking Rosen, which then would throw this into, you know, a bit of a conundrum, you know, does Darnold then end up at two? I I think that the Giants probably do take a quarterback, whether it's it's Darnold or Rosen, I think both are probably fine choices. You know, I I personally prefer Baker Mayfield and even Lamar Jackson over those two. But I know that's not really the quote unquote football guy take. So um yeah, I mean I think that they do take a quarterback and I think that I've seen Rosen there, mock there most, so I think it makes sense. Um, You know, even if even if whoever they take doesn't start day one, they still let Manning play, see if the decline isn't real. Uh, They need to be looking at the future at that position, the most important position in football.
2: Yeah, and the Eli thing is is driving me nuts, honestly, because I was I was really like the timeline was Fuego. When they benched him for G, <laughs> that, to me, was just disrespect. Yeah, yeah. But, like, now the season is over. Like, we just had a bad season. Uh, I shouldn't even say we. I don't play for the Giants. <laughs> the Giants just had a bad season. They have the second overall pick. You have to seize the moment here and take, at least to me, you have to take a quarterback or trade back if you're not sure. going to take one. The, the the loyalty that Dave Gettleman has shown this offseason to Eli is very very concerning for me because I am growing more and more worried that they're not going to take quarterback at two, and I think that that would be a mistake. I, I I agree with you. I think that you know Mayfield and Jackson are guys that I love, but they are definitely not guys that the Giants traditionally yeah. pick. They they want the prototypical guy. They want the big school. So I think Darnold or Rosen is definitely the choice there if they are going to go quarterback. And I I hope that they do. I don't, you know. I think that I prefer Darnold just because of the age. Um, but I think you can make a really good argument for Rosen, obviously as well. I just just don't mess this up, Giants. <laughs> like I, this is really critical for me that we get the, that the Giants get this right. Um, I don't want to be the Jets this year at the draft. I want to be the Giants. Um, so, but to me, like none of this matters if they can't fix the offensive line. Uh, Western, Richburg, DJ Fluker, Justin Pu—they're all free agents. I mean, I, we can debate the viability of them. I do think that Richburg and, and Pu have been decent players. Uh, but but do you think the Giants will draft offensive line help early?
1: See, I think that you know having the second overall pick, I you know I agree. I think that they should take a quarterback. But um, trading back is an interesting idea that you brought up. If if they aren't entirely sold on taking a quarterback at two. Trading back a couple spots, you know, closer to, like, depending on where they can get, but, like, in the area where, like, you know, a tackle like Mike McGlinchey from Notre Dame, who I think is pretty much the con- probably the consensus number one offensive lineman, um, their, their offensive line has not been good for a while now. And if you're going to be trotting out Eli Manning, who wasn't mobile to begin with and now is, you know, encroaching on Tom Brady you know, decrepit corpse uh, agility, um, you know, you you have to be able to protect him, whoever's back there. And I think I agree with what you said. I think that Richburg and Pugh, you know, are, are are good enough to bring back, um, but something has to be done here. Like, they, they have to bring in more help. Fluker, I think, has been a bit of a disappointment, really since coming out of college. Um, and, you know... I think that if they don't do it in the first round, if they don't do that trade back scenario, I think that they shouldn't wait too long to try and find some help along the offensive line um uh, in the draft.
2: Yeah, and the crazy thing is that yeah, like the, the middle of the offensive line actually doesn't seem to be terrible if they bring back, you know, Richburg Pugh. Um I do think that they're gonna be one of the leaders for Andrew Norwell okay. of the yeah. Panthers when when he becomes a free agent, it sounds like the team is looking to franchise tag their kicker instead of instead of their star <laughs> guard. So that's that's fine with me and obviously we know their relationship with Gettleman is there. So I'm hoping that that leads to them getting that, but like they have just have not been able to block defensive ends for the last like half yeah. decade and it's 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 terrifying. So yeah, like McClinchy, a guy like that in the first, they trade back um, you know maybe a an athletic an athletic tackle who is a little more raw in round 2 or 3. Um I don't do enough tackle research to really know who who that would be, but I think that there's gonna there's going to ultimately be a player that the Giants need to draft that can that can stop, especially in the East where there's a lot of good defensive pass rushers um, that have to keep Eli Manning up or or any rookie quarterback for that matter. Like you just can't none of this matters if we can't keep the quarterback upright or create yards for the running back.
1: Yeah, and I think. Like in that trade back scenario, I mean, even if McGlinchey goes too early, there there's like Connor Williams from Texas, Orlando Brown from Oklahoma. I think are both, you know, round one talents. Who, if for whatever reason they slip later than that, that could be an opportunity to pounce for the Giants. But yeah, I mean, they they got to do something to protect whoever's whoever's under center. Now we you did mention the running
2: back slightly. They have uh, Shane Vereen and Orleans Darqua hitting free agency. Um we obviously talked about a quarterback but do you think that Saquon Barkley is an
1: option for this team at number 2? Yeah, so I I love Saquon Barkley and and you know, full disclosure, I I did my undergrad at Penn State, so you know, I I cover college football for Rotoviz and I I try to be, you know, as balanced as possible, but you know, Saquon Barkley is an amazing talent in my opinion. He's been getting poo-pooed a little bit on Twitter like over the last couple weeks and you know, criticism is fine, but like it's hard for me to find too many holes in his game. However, I don't think that a running back deserves to go at number 2 overall just because of what we've talked about how the position I think has been devalued and I think that, you know, a higher leverage position like a really good offensive tackle or a quarterback are more important because you can cobble together a running game. Um, you obviously can't call together a quarterback. So, um, I I think the reason why I wanted to talk about this was because I did see someone mock Barkley at two, and it's uh, you know, it's possible that something like that happens. I know that would be probably a doomsday scenario for you. <laughs> um, no, uh, just delete the I would delete the account. <laughs> like it would,
2: it would be so hard to live.
1: Yeah. So I mean, um, for your sake, I'm hoping that that doesn't happen, but. You know, we saw Fournette go super early, and I'm afraid that, you know, I'm afraid that some GMs might make the mistake of equating the Jaguars taking Fournette early to their sudden resurgence and almost trip to the Super Bowl while ignoring the fact that their secondary dramatically improved. Um, their defense, in general, became one of the most dominant in football. And again, not to turn this into a Jag show, but... um I hope that the Giants especially don't make that, you know, make that mistake and think that you get the running back, your team automatically turns around because I just don't think that's the way that the NFL is oriented right now, no matter how talented Barkley is. Yeah, I was talking to uh,
2: Matt LaMarca, my co-host on uh, Laying the Points, and we were just he was laughing because he's like, there's just nothing that the smart guys hate more than, like, what's happened the last couple of years in the draft with Dallas and the Jaguars, like, taking a running back in the top five and it right, right. and then everyone's just claiming that that's why, you know, that they were so much better, and it's, like, it's so true, and, uh, you know, like, obviously, like, that's my team. Like, I'll, I'm going to die with them. I would just be so mad, and I think that, you know, we Gettleman does actually have a history of taking running backs in the first, so it, that makes me a little nervous, but, like, you just have to know that, like, the running back struggles the running struggles they've had have not been because the running backs as as average as they maybe are, like it's it's because we're not they're not blocking. And that's that's the real issue. I, I love Saquon Barkley, like I think he's amazing. I know that there's like a segment of Saquon Barkley Twitter that like you feel like it's really important to get me to say that Saquon Barkley is worth a top ten pick. Like I'll just never do that because like you said, it's just about positional value. Like he's the best He's the best prospect at his position, and and you know he's one of the best prospects at his position over the last few years. But uh, the value that he brings to a team in terms of wins, it's just not there. And I need to see real evidence that that position is going to yield wins before I start uh, buying in. I and, and again we talked earlier how the teams are going towards the running backs who can catch passes. Barkley can do that. He's amazing at that. He averaged more than ten yards a catch on. Over a hundred receptions at Penn State. Like he is, he's very good. He will be active in the passing game. I just don't think that that's worth, you know, choosing it to. I agree. All right, we're going to get into the NFC West in just a moment, but first, I want to remind you that you can get a subscription to RotoViz NFL Pass right now for thirty percent off. It's available through the NFL Podcast homepage, slash podcast Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools, and it supports the pod. So be sure to get your 30% discount for an NFL pass at rotavizcom slash podcast. You can also support the show by subscribing to and rating the Rotaviz Radio channel on iTunes. Do that and you'll be eligible to win a free $35 entry to a league at the FFPC. Just go to iTunes, leave a review with your name in it, and then listen to future episodes to hear if you are the winner. And if you're interested in being in an FFPC league with some of the Rotaviz writers and podcasters, email us radio at gmail.com and we will get that set up all right jordan we have nfc west uh, some good teams here as well we will start with your nfc west surprise champs the rams uh sammy watkins is a free agent uh they're in a pretty interesting scenario obviously after trading for him last year and uh robert woods and cooper cup were able to be very productive for them uh, in their first years at the rams what do you think that team will look to do with watkins
1: yeah, so I think, you know, kind of a theme we've been talking about with these free agents, whether or not they get brought back, it, it obviously comes down to the dollar figure. And, you know, the Rams had Watkins at a pretty good discount. And, uh, you know, I like to reference Botrack a lot, but they have, you know, a projected market value for some of these guys. And for Sammy Watkins, they have it around, right around $6 million a year. Um, oh, yeah. So uh, I think I think he was just shy of $5 million, I think, last year. So if they can bring Sammy back for like a very marginal increase in salary, I am all for it. Um, Watkins, you know, historically hasn't been that efficient when we're looking again at like racer metrics, um, and especially uh, you know last season he was he was pretty far behind both Woods and Cup. Um, but I think that you know the element of of a downfield receiver that he brings kind of similar to what you were talking about in Washington. I think that's an important element in the offense. And if they can do that without breaking the bank, really just like a million dollars more, I, I'm all for it.
2: Yeah, I mean I'm honestly a little surprised at the projected market value because I thought that I feel like Watkins has almost done enough where he would I don't want to say like have like a, a huge a huge market, but I feel like teams have to be interested in a guy who he was really productive early in his career when he was healthy and has been really um, you know, productive at making long plays happen. So I, I'm very, very surprised that the market wouldn't be as big for him. I do, like, I think that if he hits free agency, which, I mean, he will, the team's not going to franchise tag him. Like, I, I think that it is possible that a team looks at him and is saying, you know, we'll pay you $10 million. You know, like, there's, there's always a team that's going to overpay, I think, for receiver talent. We saw it last year with kind of like the Browns thought they were getting a really good deal with Kenny Britt and then Terrell Pryor ended up going pretty cheap, but their thought process I think was accurate in kind of how that situation would play out. Um, You know, I think that a team like the 49ers who again, we'll talk about like is dangerous here uh, to steal him because they could totally use, uh, you know what he could do in in their passing game right away. I'm not positive that the incentive in terms of target share is there for Watkins to come back. So, unless uh, the Rams are willing to maybe pay a little bit more I, I kind of feel like he's going to be playing elsewhere next season
1: yeah I like those points too and I think that you know Robert Woods was was a revelation last year Cooper Cup was really good in his first season so I mean I think that you know it, losing Watkins uh, would wouldn't be as devastating a blow to the Rams as it might be to another team especially if if we still believe in Josh Reynolds perhaps maybe being able to, to assume a little bit bigger of a role if if that would open up um but i really like your call to the 49ers um you know jimmy g to to sammy uh sounds pretty tasty on paper um so yeah it'll be interesting to see what his what his market value actually turns out to be
2: yeah now on the defensive side of the ball uh tremaine johnson is a free agent he made 16.7 million dollars last season uh you graded out by pro football focus as one of the best safeties do they lock him up long-term, or do you think that they will just look to
1: you know, get this position covered cheaply early on in the draft? I mean, I think that if you have the opportunity to lock down a, a truly elite uh, secondary asset, you know, a smart franchise would do so. Because I think that we have also seen that rushing the passer and being able to, um, to defend against the pass are probably the two most important aspects of defense um, in today's NFL, the way things are oriented. So I, I think that you know it's it's not going to cost them 16 mil to to lock him down long term. So you know for the Rams' sake, I would hope that they would take a long, hard look in doing that because a second, you know, the secondary is is absolutely vital uh, in today's NFL as we've seen. Yeah, and I you know we've seen in their own division, you know, like what
2: the Seattle Seahawks have been able to do with these game-changing safeties. Like it just lets you do so much more on defense when. Those guys can, can not only cover, but also, you know, obviously fill and run support. Tremaine um, Johnson can definitely do that. And I'm not positive that this team in the draft would have a realistic shot at a player like a Megan Fitzpatrick or a Derwin James, who, you know, maybe I would feel comfortable with replacing in that role at a cheap market value. I, I don't, you know, they move up. I don't really see that as being likely. So I agree with you. I think that uh, if they can get this done, they certainly want to, uh, to bring him back. Uh, now the the one albatross on the the books right now for the Rams is this Tavon Austin contract because you'll notice that he was not mentioned earlier. We were talking about uh, Rams receiver success stories. <laughs> uh, he is due eight million dollars in 2018 with five million dollars in dead cap. Uh, what do you think that they're going to do with with Tavon Austin? They're just going to are they going to finally just kind of wash their hands of this?
1: I th- this story has just been wild. I mean. Th- the the contract, you know, like you said, it's it's absurd. Um, I think that for a guy who really is limited in what he can do for your team, I mean, I, you know, we know that he's explosive, um, he's fast, he's he's good in the return game, but I just don't know that what Tavon Austin brings to your team is worth eight million dollars. To be totally honest, I, I think that this was a bad contract. I think that that might be one of the uh, the most obvious statements, maybe. Um, ever uttered about the NFL, but you know, I, I don't think that you know. I don't think that he necessarily has trade value. Um, I don't know who would really be willing to take that on, seeing what's happened. Um, it, it's tough. I mean, I, I think that they would probably benefit from just cutting ties. But you know, I, like you said, he doesn't really fit into the picture, and they're they're really deep. At receiver, especially if Watkins sticks around, like their three deep is completely locked down. Austin will not see targets with with Watkins, Woods, and Cup if that's the if that's the, the you know the setup. So he's just kind of a no man's land. It, it's just a very very odd, strange story.
2: <laughs> yeah, and their cap situation is is pretty team friendly right now. So I think uh, you know they have like forty five million dollars estimated in cap space. So if they can get out of the Tavon thing now and save themselves a little bit, you know, get themselves a little more flexibility down the road, I think that's definitely uh, plus EV. Uh, let's move on to the Seattle Seahawks, aforementioned Seahawks. Is this the year, Jordan, that Seattle will
1: address offensive line early in the draft? I. It's really sad, but I feel like that's all we, you know, that's what we say every single year. And, and you know, we see it. And I think that the franchise, I think Seattle did see it as well. You know, they brought in Brown from the Texans at left tackle last year, who I think did help. But even so, I mean, according to Football Outsiders, they ranked 31st in run blocking, 26th in pass blocking. You know, they they gave up 43 sacks, a 13.9% pressure rate. To Russell Wilson, who is one of the most agile quarterbacks in the league, um, you know, you always... The, the joke is always told that, you know, before before Russell Wilson rolls out of bed, he does three spin moves. Um, <laughs> you know, like, it's sad. Like, it, it's, it's funny, I guess, but it's also sad because I think that we all know how talented Russ is and how he just kind of, like, wills his way to success without much help. Um, I just, I love to imagine a situation where he has time to throw because I think that, If that was the case, we could see something truly special because I I believe in him that much. Um, So, I mean, I hope that they do. I I hope that they go offensive line in the first round. Um, I don't know that they necessarily will. They obviously haven't seemed too willing to invest there over the past couple seasons. Um, But I also feel like the Seahawks are kind of a team, you know, edging up to transition at a lot of different spots. Uh, We'll get into it, obviously. But I'm hoping that some of that transition, you know, on defense and at some of the skill positions, might sort of usher in a new era of, you know, caring about the health of your franchise player at quarterback. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that they do invest. Uh, you know, perhaps another one of those tackles that we talked about, if if one of them slipped to the to the back end of the first round, um, but that might just be wishful thinking. I don't know.
2: It's really insane. Like when you look across the league at how teams handle their, uh, you know, their assets after selecting a quarterback, you know, they they generally surround them with. Unless you're the Colts, they generally surround them with good offensive linemen and good receivers. Uh, and Seattle really hasn't looked to do that. It, it's it's pretty mind blowing to me. I, for the love of Russell Wilson, I do hope that they do what you said, which is invest early. But um, you know, they certainly haven't. So I. You know, this is not a team that has a lot of cap space, projected about $13.7 million available. Uh, so it's not like they can fix these problems in free agency. They certainly will have to fix them in the draft. Uh, and kind of speaking of that cap, uh, you know, they looked to trade Jeremy Lane last season. They, you know, they weren't really able to do so. Do you think they'll just cut him outright and
1: save the six mil? I think that they probably will. Um, and I guess this is also kind of, Hinging on the health of Richard Sherman Um, You know, Lane Lane was in an You know, an auxiliary role But assuming that Sherman is Healthy and able to, you know Reassume that number one cornerback position I think that Lane is expendable um, Especially with some of the Youth they have uh, at corner Um, But, you know yeah, I think that that's a quick way to save six mil, like you said, and like you also said, for a team that's kind of up against the cap, I think you kind of have to scrounge and, and make tough decisions anywhere you can to be able to invest at in other positions.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, let's say they make that move that puts them about $19-$20 million. Uh, they do have free agents on their own roster that they might be interested in bringing back. Jimmy Graham, Sheldon Richardson, Eddie Lacy, Paul Richardson, all these guys are free agents, uh, who amongst these guys do you think they
1: will try to re-sign the most? Well, defensive line is interesting because I think that Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett, you know, we've heard buzzes about both of them maybe not coming back for for different reasons. Um, You know, they're obviously both ends, but I think that if either one of them go or both, they would need to address just the defensive line in general. And I think Sheldon Richardson is a talented player whether they're willing to pay or if they can pay him what he'll ask is a different story. Um, Jimmy Graham has just, is, is really interesting to me because, you know, from 2016 to 2017, he saw almost an identical um, amount of targets, but last season his, his efficiency really dropped off the face of the earth. I mean, his, his racer really went down. His A dot went down. Um, I, I don't know if, you know, it just seems like he's not necessarily always in the game plan. Um, I, I don't know if they would be willing to to necessarily bring him back if he's not a part of what they want to do. It just kind of seems like a busted relationship that just never quite, you know, came to fulfillment. Um, to me, Eddie Lacy is is expendable, um, especially considering all the names that they have. I think that they can cobble together an effective running game without him with Chris Carson, Um, you know, even guys like J.D. McKissick, who were forced into duty and played okay as a pass-catching back. Um, And Paul Richardson, you know, behind Doug Baldwin, they have Tyler Lockett, obviously, but they really do kind of need that number two receiver if they want to get the most out of Russ. And I think Richardson, again, it all comes down to dollars because they don't have a ton to spend. But I wouldn't be totally opposed to them re-signing Richardson unless they want to go out after one of those free agents that we talked about.
2: Yeah, and the the Jimmy Graham situation in particular is interesting because they really um they really kind of pieced together their run game last year with Russell Wilson and Jimmy Graham. Like as crazy as that sounds, like I obviously they didn't give Jimmy Graham any carries. But like inside the five yard line he had fourteen targets last season, which is Pretty mind blowing to me. Uh, I mean, and you know, it's about freaking time. Also, like they, like you said, they really don't utilize him enough in the other parts of the field. But last year, they finally did at least throw him the ball close to the goal, uh, and he did produce in that role. So I'm wondering if maybe even if they do think that Graham is kind of falling off athletically, which is reasonable. I mean, he did have a major injury two years ago. Uh, that maybe they just bring him back, hopefully on like a, some kind of discount, uh, just to kind of retain that. Uh, you know, give them that element in the red zone because it was very successful for them. Uh, Sheldon Richardson is, like, I don't... I, I mean, can we we can curse on the show. Like, he's, he's an asshole. <laughs> like, that's, like, the... That's the, like, the read that you get. Like, anything you read about what he was at the Jets, what he's even been with Seattle. Like, he's just a head case to deal with. And I always wonder, like, how that impacts whether or not they bring guys back. I, I think... I do think that having some of those other veterans in the locker room helps with that situation. You know, so if they do keep the Cliff Averill's and the Michael Bennett's of the world, maybe that assists them in, in kind of bringing back Richardson and, and getting the the most out of him. But uh, those, for me, are probably the two guys I'm interested in most for
1: them. Yeah, I mean, I, I would love for them to use Jimmy Graham because I'm an advocate of making Russell Wilson's life easier in any way possible. Um, and with... A lack of size really at wide receiver across the board it, it it feels like it would make sense for him to have a role and it, you know if they bring him back and are willing to do that i'm all for it all right let's move over to the cardinals where uh, a lot of turnover you know
2: obviously they have the new coach in there bruce arians is gone uh, carson palmer has also retired so this does seem like an obvious quarterback landing spot uh, at some point this offseason do you think that at 15th overall this is a spot where they can target a quarterback in the draft
1: I think so, and a lot of it will come down to, you know, uh, where exactly teams ahead of them, obviously, are, are looking to do the same because it feels like there are a lot of a lot of teams looking for quarterbacks, and like you said, it's a very deep rookie class, and there may also be some free agents out there who can fill slots. Um, I'm hoping that they do draft a quarterback at 15, depending on, you know, assuming Darnold and Rosen go 1-2, um... You know, somebody might be crazy enough to take Josh Allen at three. Uh, you know, perhaps someone like Baker Mayfield or, you know, Lamar Jackson slips, you know, to 15. It, Like you said, I think there's a lot of turnover here, and I think starting new at quarterback would kind of be, you know, a logical move here, hopefully landing, you know, hopefully nailing that spot at 15 and then being able to build from there. Um, I would have been really interested if, if Arians would have stuck around if they would have taken someone like Mayfield, who is just an incredible downfield thrower, and we know that Arians, although he typically likes big-bodied quarterbacks, he does like to attack downfield, and I think that would have been a really good match. But, you know, I still think that Baker would be fine. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think that they probably will go quarterback at 15.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. I'm glad that you mentioned the Arians thing, because I was, I was kind of looking forward to that also. I was like, man, I I could definitely see Mayfield being successful. Um, you know, with uh, with, with him at quarterback, but I also think that this is, this is a potential landing spot for Jackson because Steve Wilks, the head coach, you know, comes to us from Carolina, where Cam Newton has, you know, been able to make a career. We can talk about, you know, how we feel about Cam Newton some other time, but, like, I think that Wilks at least probably isn't super opposed to having a mobile quarterback, and we know that these new regimes often do mean new quarterbacks, preferably new franchise quarterbacks, so... Uh, yeah, I'm definitely. This is definitely for me a turning point in the draft for the guys like Jackson and Mayfield that they fall this far, um, and I'm hoping that's that's kind of where their slide ends if it, if it does happen. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald will be coming back, not retiring, but both John and Jerron Brown are free agents. I mean, I'm I'm hoping that it, they at least end up on different teams, so I don't have to worry about the the J Brown Arizona tag every week, but. Uh, is this another area that you think they'll
1: address uh, via the draft? I think I think it's possible. Um, I I think that if they do, I, I don't necessarily know if they'll they'll invest a ton of in Kevin. Um, I could also see Arizona being a potential spot for a free agent, um, you know, to kind of play opposite Fitzgerald. You know, I think we all love John Brown, but but he's had his struggle, you know, with sickle cell staying staying healthy and available. Um, and you know, if he and Jaron Brown. Uh, you know, don't come back. It's it's basically Fitzgerald, AJ Nelson would be uh you know, the best receiver with most seniority, uh, and a bunch of guys who, you know, haven't really played a role yet. So they definitely need to do something there. Um I could potentially see Arizona um trying to attack position in pre agency. Like if a guy like you said, like Sammy Watkins, or prior, you know, I could see something like that potentially happening to try and fill the role next to Fitz.
2: Yeah, and and for the record, like I actually like JJ Nelson. Like, I think that he is, he's not a star, but I think that he's serviceable. He definitely gives the downfield element that you want. Um, but, yeah, this this is, I think this is going to be a, a draft fix for them. I, I'm not positive that the free agents that are available make the most sense for them. Uh, just consider, uh, you know, the other needs that this team probably has. Um, and, again, you know, if we're looking at the salary cap, this team only has about $22.5 million today, so they can't really make, the splash moves in free agency i do think that this receiver class is a little underrated i think it's at least deep um and i think that potentially the best receiver in the class dj moore is a guy that you can get in the second round so i uh i definitely like this team to address receiver in like rounds two or three like that area certainly if you're drafting a quarterback and you're starting over at that position i think
1: it's imperative that you surround them with weapons and uh, you know, hopefully that's what they And could. that makes sense, too. And, and like you said, DJ Moore, who I, I know you really like, uh, really popped in your model. Um, and even guys like Equanime St. Brown, Michael Gallup, you know, dudes like that who might be around in round three, who I think could have potential, could develop into something special. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, at, at
2: offensive line, because we we have stressed the importance of this, I think, throughout the show, they can cut Mike Ayupati and save $10 million, which is significant when we consider, again, their cap situation. Do you think that they can that they will do that and then look to address guard in
1: free agency? This is a tough one because I don't necessarily know how deep the free agent crop is at guard. You mentioned Andrew Norwell from Carolina, um, but they don't have a ton of offensive linemen actually under uh, contract right now. Um, Ayupati was really good when he was in San Francisco a couple years ago. He's kind of, I think, underwhelmed a bit in Arizona uh, since he got there in, I think, 2015. Um, he's 30 years old, so, I mean, in theory, he has time left, and he's under contract till 2020. Um, so, you know, it would be nice to save that money. Like you said, they're kind of up against the cap. But you also have to think about what's the replacement. Um, can you find someone who is you know, around the same level for for less money, that's a difficult you know, that's a difficult call. I I think that they'll probably end up keeping him, but, you know, ten million dollars is ten million dollars. Um but they you know, if they do take a quarterback at fifteen, especially a rookie, you have to build around him like we've been saying, kinda of harping on that fact.
2: Yeah, and it is worth mentioning that this team should get David Johnson back at full strength yeah. and I think that, that that takes the load off of a lot of their positions. I think you could attribute some of their struggles last year to just a lack of talent at the skill positions. So, we'll see what they do. We we have saved the best for last year. San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy G G stands for GOAT. Um, just, you know, he just signed the big contract. Do You have any just like initial thoughts on that deal? Um
1: I mean, when I first saw it, I was a little bit surprised, but then again, you know, he is a better version of Tom Brady, so I think they probably made the right <laughs> call. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, I think it really does just go back to the fact that teams understand that if they don't have a quarterback, you really don't have that great of a chance to win. And I think that San Francisco saw an opportunity to get a guy who they obviously believe in, if they're willing to pay that much money, Um so, I mean, I I think it's, it's you know, I think right now what we know it's a good deal because what we've seen of Garoppolo so far has been pretty impressive. Um, so, I mean, I think that that's just the market. I think that that's just what quarterbacks draw now. Uh, we'll see, like we talked about Kirk Cousins, we'll see what he's able to pull in. Um, but I'm I'm okay with it.
2: Yeah, I like it. I mean, we obviously saw him be successful in a couple of starts in New England. We weren't sure if that would be indicative of future success, but I think for him to take a 49ers team that had one win all season against my lowly giants and uh, just go streaking down the stretch and win out at just really, really impressive. And obviously the team already buys into him, not just from a front office standpoint, but from the players, you know, all the quotes that you hear from the guys in the team. And similar to what I was saying with the Jets and Cousins, like this is this is the Niners really using their cap space wisely to pay him up front because even paying him thirty-seven million dollars this season, they have you know over seventy million dollars in cap space available, so they can still make tons of moves to you know further their roster. It wouldn't surprise me if they make free agent moves similar to Garoppolo at other positions where they still look to pay up front and level the money out over time because they're in you know they're in a really good position to do that. So I, I like what. I'll tell you what, I mean, there's not a guy that that I, there's not a move that I dogged more and was wrong about than than them bringing in John Lynch, because I really thought that like, that was a joke of a move at the time, and he's really shown that he knows what he's doing, or that he at least knows how to bring people in around him that know what they're doing, <laughs> which, it, by the transitive property, like that's part of being a good totally. GM, I think, is surrounding yourself with the right people, and uh, I don't think enough people do that, so I mean, John Lynch has done an awesome that's job. That's a skill set all on its own, I think. Absolutely. Now, at running back, Carlos Hyde is a free agent. He was fairly productive for them last season. They still have Matt Breida, and of course, he for whom Kyle Shanahan bangs tables, Joe Williams. <laughs> what do you think happens at this position?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that Carlos Hyde deserves to be brought back. I think that he's, he's you know, I think that he's a, a decent to really good running back. Um, I think that he fits in this system. Um, and I think that having those three as your, as your, your three deep is probably okay. Uh, I know they also have, um, you know, former road of his, uh, favorite Jeremy McNichols, uh, also oh. on the roster. I'm, i I talked to me. I nice. know, man, I, I was all <laughs> aboard that train too. And it, it, you know, the, the train caught fire has, has been extinguished, may catch fire again. We don't know, but, um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think that he deserves to be brought back, and, and if he would hit free agency, I think that he deserves to be paid by someone, um, even at a replaceable position. I think that he's kind of underrated in what he can do. So, I mean, I'm hoping they bring him back because I think he fits in the offense, and I think that he would make this offense better.
2: Yeah, so his projected uh, market value on uh, track is $5.8 million, which is pretty high for the running back position. So I think what you're saying is true in terms of his value. Uh, it's certainly up there. I'm not sold that they're going to bring him back, even if he does deserve it, just because uh, of the usage last season. I think that they were willing to use Matt Breida at times. I still believe that Kyle Shanahan probably has, you know, some affinity for Joe Williams and wants to see what he can do. Uh, and I also think that if if it came down to it, uh, certainly their winning, I think, might have taken them out of contention for this. But I, I do think that Matt Barkley, is not uh, Matt Barkley, I, Saquon Barkley, is uh, someone that this team will target in the draft. So we will see what happens. Uh, I certainly think that they will not come into next season with Brita and Williams as the as the top two guys on the depth chart. I think that they'll either bring in competition later in the draft, uh, early you know bringing a stud early in the draft, or just resign Hyde. So I think that this team has a lot of flexibility because of their cap uh, and obviously the the talent on the rest of the roster. So
1: you think that they could potentially go Saquon at nine?
2: Yeah. I don't, I mean I don't even know if Saquon makes right. it that far, but I think that they certainly
1: could. That's interesting, because um, I think he would fit in that system as well. Um, yeah, so that'll be interesting to see. I guess that kind of flows right into the the, the next question, right? Which is that you know the receiver crew, Jimmy Jimmy Goat, they
2: got it done with Marquise Williams, uh, Marquise Goodwin, Trent Taylor, uh, you know, a rookie tight end. Like the the weapons really aren't great there. So do you think that
1: early draft capital at receiver is kind of a necessity for the Niners? I don't know if it's necessary. I don't I don't know if it's a necessity, but I know that in Josh Norris's most recent mock, he actually had Calvin Ridley going at 9. Um I don't know how you f- necessarily feel about Calvin Ridley. I think that's too early for him. Um but, you know, just the fact that someone like Norris who you know, he knows what he's talking about. Has the 49ers going wide receiver there? Make me consider it. You know, they have a ton of bodies there, but and you, and you listed them off, but none of them really strike too much fear, I don't think. Um, you know, Pierre Garçon, I think, is steady. He's 31 years old. You know, he, he is what he is, I guess you could say. Uh, Goodwin, Aldrick Robinson, you know, both are downfield threats. You know, in theory, it feels like they have pieces, but it also, at the same time, kind of feels like something's missing. I, I don't. I, I kind of, my gut feels like they're not going to go wide receiver at nine, but uh, you know, Josh Norris thinks it's a possibility, so I have to at least you know consider it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not a Ridley guy. I'm team old guys. Stink. <laughs> no, like I. I think that I. I just, Ridley is just not a guy that at least statistically profile as well it came out 12th in my receiver model and granted you know that model is looking to project future ppr performance but there obviously is you know some crossover between what guys do in fantasy leagues and how valuable they are to their respective nfl franchises so uh, i'm not really into ridley i think that like you said i think that would be too early um and honestly i'm not even really sure that this team needs like an ancillary piece at the position i think that they have those like i think that Marquis, uh, you know, Marquis Goodwin is an awesome field stretcher and developed, you know, some other skills this year. I think that, you know, Pierre Garcon is like the ideal veteran slot receiver. Um, you know, obviously a tight end, they have some good things going. That running backs can catch passes. So I think that this team really needs a, a number one. I'm not even positive that that guy exists in this draft. Obviously, I do love DJ Moore. Um, but I'm not positive that like your true go-to alpha dog receiver exists in this draft class Um, that's why I I really go back to a guy like a Sammy Watkins because I do think that his draft pedigree and his you know overall talent level is is that of a guy who can kind of be a go-to target Um, and certainly what you get from the quarterback position kind of elevates it all so I I, uh, I'm with you I don't I don't think I don't really think at nine that they're going to go after a receiver but when when the guys who are plugged in are entertaining it like you said we, we have to entertain it as well all right uh that is going to do it for today's edition of the road of his draft series for jordan hoover at j hoover 9787 i'm anthony miko at Amixta. thanks for tuning in thank you for listening to the road of his draft series please rate and review the road of his radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app Contact us via email, rotavizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at rotavizradio. And remember, you can only you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotaviz.com slash podcast.
0: And now, a thought from
2: Geico Motorcycle.
0: It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah but the far less appealing Blobfish.
1: Oh, come on.
0: To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 Blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to GEICO. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance.
3: Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on condo insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you took minimalism too far because there's only one chair in your entire condo and your only entertainment is one card. Not even a deck of cards, but a single card. And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance.
0: Sugar
1: Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.